going on, everybody? This is Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and you're listening to the next edition of the Talking Grammar Podcast. Uh, episode four is this one, and I'm going to be talking a little, going behind the scenes a little bit, trying to talk with some people that are building this program that you don't see on the court, that you don't see in front of the mics and, and cameras uh, at press conferences. In today's episode, I'll be talking with Tyler Stewart. He's the strength coach, strength and conditioning coach for the Lobo basketball team that was hired this offseason. And if you hear Paul Weir talk or you hear any of the players talk, their conditioning this year is is better than it's ever been for any of these individuals. Anthony Mathis, Joe Firstinger, Antonio Jackson, to name a few, have, have all talked about being in the best shapes of best shape of their lives. And it's something Paul Weir's talked about since the day he was hired. He wanted to be the team that outworked teams, out out hustled them, and just was in better condition down the stretch of games and, and you can see that in recent weeks things are starting to click for the Lobos a little bit and a lot of it has to do with the conditioning that they're in uh, their road win at UNLV a couple weeks ago now they were the fresher team down the stretch and were able to close out the Rebels scoring the last nine points they they did it four days later or three days later at home against San Diego State where they were dominated um, in the first half and in the second half they were clearly the fresher team they dominated the Aztecs got the win a week later, certainly a short-handed Colorado State team missing their leading two scores, but it was also, again, apparent that the Lobos were the better conditioned team down the stretch and just in able to, to physically kind of impose their, their will down the stretch of games. That has to do with conditioning. That's that's all part of the, the master plan here. And when I talked to Paul Weir in August for the first episode of this podcast, the, the preseason episode about what his philosophy was for building this Lobo program. He spoke then about the uh, the importance of conditioning on his team to bridge the gap between the athletic shortcomings that this roster may have compared to some other teams and the height um, advantages other teams would have. To alleviate that pressure, they needed to be the team that outworked other teams and out-hustled them, and that all came down to conditioning. So I wanted to talk to Tyler uh, where he came from, what his philosophy is, what he's doing with this team to get them in such good shape. And uh, so let's go back to August right now and let's listen to Paul Weir's comments on why he hired Tyler Stewart and what he what his plans were for the conditioning of this program, which is such a really a, a foundation of what he's building with this program is the conditioning. The the first part of it is um, the the work capacity, you know, and that's you know I hired a new strength coach named Tyler Stewart from University of Florida, and I brought him in here specifically because you know University of Florida is probably one of the top five programs in the country as far as um, sports medicine and health science and all the different things that they're doing over there, from blood testing to training to they're very cutting edge and they spend a lot of money and resources on their program being um, at the top of the food chain. So getting him here was very important to me because he's been under Billy Donovan he's been with Larry Scheid he's been with player you know teams that have played this style he knows how to train for this style and the first thing we talked about you know was increasing our work capacity so these players or our players going forward have to learn how to train more harder and longer and play more harder and longer and to do that obviously requires an intense training program so we knew we were going to increase our training program and there's obviously always going to be a vibe there's going to be a, um, a, a symptom a byproduct whatever to that in order to allow them to keep training that way we had to really change our nutrition 
our recovery, um, our flexibility, our injury prevention, all those kinds of things. And that's where a lot of these other things come into play. It's allowing them, if we're really monitoring their nutrition and their vitamin supplements and their weigh-ins, um, and we incorporate yoga and meditation and other things, that will allow them the next day to hopefully train at the same level we want to. All right. So that's a little bit about what Paul Weir said back in August. He wanted uh, 22 games into this Lobo basketball season. Now, it would appear by all accounts that the conditioning of the Lobos teams seems to be answering the bell. Uh, They that is not um, the flaw of this team. If there are any flaws and there certainly are flaws, Um, I don't mean to imply that there aren't. There's plenty of flaws with this team, but they're playing good right now. And conditioning is certainly a big part of that. So I thought it'd be important to Lobo fans, to some of the listeners of this podcast and readers of the journal, that uh, we sit down with Tyler, talk a little bit about um, you know what his philosophies are and try and understand what he's trying to get out of these guys from a strength and conditioning wise and, and how he's doing it, how he's keeping them in top condition. So here you go. Here's my interview from last week that I had with Lobo basketball strength and conditioning coach Tyler Stewart. Tell me actually the, the proper title for you. What is your proper title? With I the think it's director basketball? of men's basketball strength and conditioning. Okay. And how old are you, Tyler? I'll be 35 this year. Okay. So you've been doing this for how long now? 11 years. 11 years. What's uh, your What's your education? Education, uh, undergraduate, uh, master. Or excuse me, graduate, bachelor of science in exercise science with a minor in chemistry, yeah. and then master's work in uh, human nutrition. And is this what you wanted to do? You wanted oh, yeah, to yeah. Before I graduated, I was working in the weight room at Clemson University. Where were, so where's high school? Where are you from? Uh, Anderson, South Carolina. It butts up right next to Clemson University. My mom worked there for a long time. I worked there for a long time. So, you know, it kind of fit. Sports guy growing up? Yeah. Uh, outdoors kind of guy. Yeah? South Carolina, yeah. Some hunting? Oh, some yeah. Fishing? fishing, yeah. A lot of that. It's South Carolina, you know. How much got, else? Well, have you gotten into any of that here in New Mexico? Obviously, we have two different, you know, different terrains, I guess, but a lot of outdoors to do here I in hear New Mexico. I hear there's a lot of uh, good trout fishing, and I've been hiking. So. You've been hiking? Yeah. Okay, but north of here, especially at the Gila, you gotta, you gotta, there's some fly fishing. I know spots up there. I don't know if you've ever done fly fishing. I have. I have. Usually, it's uh, bass fishing, but I've definitely done fly fishing. Okay. All right. So, outdoors. New Mexico's a good place for that, but I guess since you've been here, you've been busy. I mean... Yeah. It's kind of we had uh, to set a tone, yeah. And you haven't had a whole lot of time to to go do much fishing and stuff. No, like that, huh? no. I, I went hiking once. That's, that's about it so far. Yeah. yeah. So uh, where'd you go? Uh, just right up above me on the tramway. Okay. Yeah, there was okay. a, a parking spot. It's a trail. I yeah. parked and started walking. <laughs> started walking. Yeah. All right. So before we get there, what did you do growing up sports wise? You said outdoors. You you were telling me. Um, downstairs on the court, your your high school didn't even have a basketball team, right? It's, it sort of had one. We couldn't really field a lot of stuff. Um, Small school? Oh yeah. Okay. I played uh, football. Was it? I mean, full full eleven man football, just to make sure. Oh yeah. It? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Seven there's, some, seven. there's some. There's some. There's some eight man teams here. No, no, no. It was. Uh, yeah, I played football and then I played golf. Actually. All right. I played a lot of golf. You any good? At one time, I was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Coaches golf all the time, don't they? I mean, I don't know if these coaches do, but uh, a lot of basketball coaches get around the... It doesn't work like that usually in the weight room. Yeah? Yeah. We usually don't get time to go. That's funny. As I guess while the they're golfing... over, yeah. Well, I was going to say, while they're golfing, you're working. Right. As soon as the season's over, I got the guys back in here, you know, full time. All right. So, uh, 
you've worked uh, at at the college level. List again where the, where you've worked and kind of what sports you okay. you've worked. With. Started at Clemson. Uh, my first year there was helping with football. And and was was Shia at Clemson at the time or? Uh, Pernell okay. when I was there. I thought you had I a connection know, with Shia. You know, yes, oh. my mom worked with him. Oh, okay. She okay. was the Christina Birmingham for Shia yeah. and Rick Barnes. Yeah, and they kind of, for those that don't know, I mean, that's sort of the person who kind of runs the show around the basketball right, offices. Right. And so she and, Barnes tried to take her to Texas when he went, and yeah. you know, um, so we always were in and out of basketball, basketball camps, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but I started in football before I graduated in undergrad in 2007, and. A position had come open in basketball. They had created a new position, a part-time assistant, um, to help with basketball. Basketball specific. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I went over there. Um, I started working with John Sanderson, who's now the basketball strength coach at University of Michigan. Okay. Uh, and worked for him for about a year and a half. And they bumped me up to a graduate assistant position. And then that's when I met Preston Green. He came in from Stanford okay. at the time. I was the interim and talking with Coach Purnell and, um, you know, it was kind of between Preston and I, the job, and, you know, he had the experience, obviously. And yeah. I was actually really excited to work with him because I had heard of him in the business and I would actually, you know, read some of his stuff. And so it was a great fit when he got there. Uh, then from there, I went to App State. Okay. And I worked with head coach Jason Capel. Okay. Uh, for a year. Um, learned a lot of great stuff there. And then I went to Florida, and I was at UF for five years. And what did, first of all, what all sports did you work with in Florida? Florida, I had basketball, uh, women's basketball, tennis, and golf. How much were you allowed to kind of form what you guys were doing, and how much of it was already set in stone by maybe a boss or something? No, it was all me. It was all you? Yeah. Uh, everything was completely... They had actually had kind of a bad run of string coaches um, prior to me getting there, so... There was a lot of rebuilding relationships with head coaches yeah. um, because there, you you know, all three, except for women's basketball, but those other two teams are top five teams. Are they? Consistently, yeah. yeah. Women's tennis has six national championships. So expectations are, at a place like that, expectations are pretty high, which also means that you don't get a lot of uh, wiggle room to, to not succeed. I mean, you No, it's, you know, especially when you're looking at a, a small team like tennis where you, you know, there's seven girls on the team, and they play six. They can afford to have someone injured. All right. All right. So there was a big deal, or someone out of shape, or anything, you know. So, what brings you to New Mexico then? You're this off season. Paul Weir gets hired, and, and obviously he's looking for for someone to fill this position. Um, he tells me he he kind of reached out. He didn't know who he was looking for, but he wanted somebody, um, and and started making some phone calls. When did you kind of? catch wind that Paul Weir was looking for somebody? Well, I had known there'd be a coaching change. You know, as, as strength coaches, we watch that every year. Sure. You know, in February. The, Just like any other yeah, in the profession. the hot coaches. seats start yeah. coming out, hot seat list, and you kind of watch, and I guess this year's going to be even crazier with the yeah. investigations going on, but you pay attention to what's going on and who's going to get what. And um, He had gotten a job, and I guess he had talked to uh, a strength coach at University of Arizona, who I knew, um, and he kind of had pointed him towards Preston, and he called Preston Green, who's the uh, men's basketball training coach at University of Florida, and you know, just kind of a couple of people were giving my name, I guess. Yeah, that's what Paul he told me. I mean, he called Preston, and Preston says you're the guy. Like he, he kind of, you know, he might have 
as I think as Paul as Paul Weir described it to me, I mean, had Preston told him the guy you're looking for is in Alaska, he would have gone to Alaska to try and get you. Um, you happen to be down the hall, I guess. Right. Um, which is which was good, but he he then picks up the phone, I guess, at some point talks to you, and, and what does exactly. he tell you about what he wants? You know, our initial discussions, he he, he was very uh, supportive of strength and conditioning. You know, you you tend to get a lot of coaches who could go either way, particularly in basketball. Uh, they either really love a strength coach or really hate a strength coach. Yeah. You know, and the strength coach kind of just stays in the background. Or, but Coach Weir wanted a someone who was in the foreground and someone who was very holistic with the approach of everything with these guys. And for me, you know, to drive across the country, I really wanted to make sure I was on the same page with Coach Weir. Yeah. Um, and talking with him, we just saw eye to eye on everything. So how much is he then when he – well, I guess the message he tells you um, is, as he's told everybody since he's been hired, he wanted to have a team that presses. He wanted to have a team that plays right. hard for 40 minutes. All great coach speak stuff. All, all things a lot of coaches probably are going to say – um, but when do you get the idea that uh, he, it's maybe a little more than coach speak? He's really going to be committed. No, I, to I, I talking to him right away. I knew that that's he, he was. You know, he wasn't giving me a recruiting spiel. Okay, like this was what he really wanted, and this is what the path he wanted to do. And you know, my background had been I'd worked with at Clemson under Coach Purnell with yeah. press, 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 and uh, obviously working at Florida helping with men's basketball with Coach Donovan and Coach Mike White yeah. got there fast, fast, fast. And there's a uh, to train for that type of play is my style. Okay. That's, that's what I prefer to do. Um, Which is why maybe you were recommended. I mean, this, this right, is what right. he was looking for. You were you are what he was looking for. Right. And uh, you know, just getting here and we met and I was ready to come on over. All right. So when did you get here? When did you start working? August the I want to say 23rd, okay. give or take a okay. few days. I'm not 100% sure. So this summer workout program that they were already kind of doing a little bit before you got here and they, and they were working, um, was there any kind of advance like, hey, Paul, tell them to start doing this before I get there kind of stuff? Or was it pretty much all started when you got here? When I got here. Okay. I mean, I think it took me about a week to get here once we had agreed on everything. Um, and they had been working with... Our athletic trainer, Corey, had been doing a great job of, yeah. of overseeing their strength and conditioning, and uh, they had a pretty good foundation laid. But, you know, when I got here, th- things kind of turned on their head a All little right. bit. Well, a good foundation laid is, is probably a, a generous way to, to say um, what you encountered when you got here. Um, was this a team that was out of shape or just not in the shape it needed to be? I mean, when you got here, what was your impression of the conditioning of, of the guys that were here? I, their training age was very low, and training age is just the amount of time someone's been in a weight room. Okay. Actually training, you know. Uh, some guys may have been in a year, some guys four years, but across the board, all the guys' training age was, was in my mind, entry level. Okay. They they needed a kick in the pants. Well, how, I mean, how does that even happen? I mean, these are good athletes. These are guys playing college-level basketball. Right. How... how how does that even happen where they – and a lot of these guys weren't just freshmen, obviously only a right. couple freshmen on the team. They, they've made it through a few years of college mm-hmm. basketball. How can you even make it through a season even with a, a, a poor strength and conditioning program? Like if you make it through a couple seasons, you it would seem you'd be in pretty good shape. I mean, yes and no. I, 
you have to also look at the durability and the amount of injuries that we're having. You know, an injury injuries can be a sign of fatigue brought upon by lack of training. Sure. You know, and obviously, uh, strength training is going to bring about um, bone and connective tissue changes that will make someone more durable. Uh, I think for these guys, they had kind of you know gone through several strength coaches in a short period of time, and with that. You're going to get a bunch of different philosophies, and you know, with me, I'm very planned in how I do things and, and very organized. And I had an end goal in mind with how I wanted to get them there. All right. Well, the end goal in mind, then, what do you tell them? Like, do you from day one say this is my end goal? Like, do you tell them what your end goal is? I tell them. I say, look. I said, hey. I said, it's gonna it's gonna be hard. I'm trying to. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fine. Oh, and even if you do, it's okay. But okay. <laughs> Um, don't don't worry too much. I okay, I, I just told him. I said, look, I said you're gonna hate it sometimes. It's gonna be worse than anything you've ever done. Yeah. But I promise you, I've been doing this for ten years, boys. I promise you, the shit's gonna pay off. Yeah. Like you're not gonna get tired in the game. You're not gonna be aches and pains, little aches and pains that kind of hold you back or sit you out for half a drill in practice. We're not gonna have that kind of stuff. But that sounds to me like what a strength coach is pro- any strength coach is probably gonna tell him. And just like I said with coach speak, it sounds like what a coach would tell anybody. So at what point do you start to win them over? Or is it almost shock therapy where you're saying this is what we're going to do to get there? And they're like, oh, my God. Well, the the first thing I win them over is we had five guys who were over 10% body fat. Okay. And how I was brought up, you know, working a lot with Preston was if if you have a male athlete over 10% body fat, he's fat. Yeah. So I said, boys, we're fat. So you had how many? Five? Yeah. And at that time, the whole roster wasn't even here yet, I know. Right. So, so it's like, hey, here's what we're going to do, and I guarantee you, here's where you are, body fat, here's where you're going to be in X weeks. Okay. And we actually hit all those goals. Be- most guys two weeks before the, the goal date. Okay. And so they, they bought in, and yeah. when you get a result like that, it you know they start feeling better with their shirts off, and they tend to buy in a lot Yeah, more. I'll bet they do. I'll bet they do. <laughs> um, when... At what point of the of the off season workouts then did you think that yeah this team um, not only are they buying in and you said I know you met they met some of those goals before you even mm-hmm. had set them did you start to think that wow this team can can do this like well, I guess when did you start the the buy in and you know, belief th- that they could get they're there? all at the core they're all that core group of guys are great guys yeah I mean they came in the first week and did everything I asked and I buried them yeah and had no problems no pushback. Uh, I know, and you're trying to bury him a little. Oh bit. yeah, I mean, that's the intent, right? And any training they do, I've done. I'm not going to put an athlete through something I've never done. So I know how bad it is. So how you know hard how bad it is. it is, but you're also a little drill sergeant, like where you're trying to get, break them maybe a little bit, right? Maybe get them to the as close. I want to see where they're going to break, and you know, a lot of that came out in the strongman training. Okay, that's more where I would, I would see that mental break yeah. come out. Um, how they would approach the next set, a particular exercise. Okay, well, you're six minutes into this strongman medley. You have probably another eight minutes to go. Are you going to sack up and finish or not? Uh, And these guys do a pretty good job of that. There were a couple of times I imagined that that they couldn't go through her, but but by the end of it, they were all finishing whatever you had for them, right? Right, right. And that's the point is, and I told them, you know, on days we were conditioning, is you're not going to make these times every day. Yeah. If you're, if you're all making these times easily, when we're out here conditioning on the court, then I'm not pushing you that's, hard enough. That's kind of a non-you thing. Yeah, that's on me. Yeah. I said, all I care about is who steps up, who encourages the guy beside him, and who just gets it done. Yeah. 
and uh, you know conditioning was a son of a gun and they they embraced it and attacked it every day we went out there at what point do you uh, have to push back with Paul a little bit and I, I did talk with him a little bit about this I mean he he leans on you quite a bit to to sort of tell him, all right, maybe we should, maybe this is the limit for today. Right. Um, and I know there are times he says, no, let's do this. And you kind of either have to meet a, the middle ground or, or you have to maybe walk him off the ledge a little bit because he wants a lot out of these guys. Right. But he also is trusting you a lot. I mean, you get to dictate. We, we lift a lot here. I mean, okay. we, we lift a lot comparatively to a lot of teams out there. Um, but we have to. Yeah. We, we have to keep, to keep these guys healthy, to keep them strong. Uh, you know, this is not a group of guys that are genetically superior that can yeah. just show up to the gym and do whatever they want to do. Right. They have to keep themselves in a position to be at the top of their potential. Yeah, you guys aren't supposed to be in third place right now. No, no, we're no, not. We're supposed to be beating UNLV in San Diego State. But, we're, you know, the thing about these guys is it's all because of how they work. Yeah. They come into work, and with Coach Weir uh, – Fortunately, he and I see eye to eye on a lot of things yeah. about yeah. lifting and how we want to do things and how we split our groups up and stuff like that. But the great thing about Coach Weir is he obviously has a lot of experience. Yep. And he'll have a lot of great ideas, but he'll we'll always talk about them. And if there's something that I would rather do or rather not do, he's just you give him a reason why and he's good. He's I mean, surround himself with people that he then allows to, to make decisions. Right. Um, have you had to tell him, no, Coach, we really just can't do that? Has there ever been between you and him um, a little bit of butting heads? No. Uh, other. When I first got here, we talked a little bit about swimming. I'm not a fan yeah. of swimming. Really? Um, and I told him uh, why. And why is that? It, why is that? I mean, is it, even if it's just kind of oversimplified reason. You look at basketball guys, I'll, I'll run it down quick. Mechanically, for mm -hmm. them, it's going to be... It's going to be very difficult to learn. Okay. The second part about swimming, if you've ever worked with a swimmers in a weight room, they are the least coordinated people in the world. <laughs> and the reason is they're in a pool so much they take away gravity. Yeah. And when no, you take away gravity, your body adapts. You have to have gravity to have proprioception, to have balance, to have coordination. Uh, and I just said, Coach, you know, other than if an athlete is really, really injured or coming back from a serious surgery – I'm not putting these guys in the pool. Yeah. And it's because of the gravity thing. I mean, the, it's a gravity thing. It, it, it makes them slower. They lose muscle mass. It's just, okay. You know, and mechanically we would spend more time trying to teach a Vance Jackson how to swim than yeah. he would get anything out, out of, of it. it. Interesting. You know, it just, it doesn't work too well in my experience. And so some of those strength uh, things you guys were doing, I mean, I saw them flipping tires and stuff, right. some of that kind of stuff. How much of that is actually, what you're trying to get out of the physical, mechanical motions uh -huh. of flipping a tire, and how much of that is the mental? That, the strongman is, is, that's why it's so unique. Um, anything with an odd object, it, it challenges mentally, it challenges you physically, and it's a great way to get conditioning without running. Yeah. You know, some of those, some of those circuits outside, like I said, would take 10 minutes of just heart rate over max yeah. for 10 minutes. And again, it's, it's, it's a lot mental. You know, we saw, Several times uh, over this past preseason, Antonio. Yeah. You know, mechanically the tire ain't for him because it's no. damn near as tall as he is. Yeah. But he's he, listed as six foot. Yeah. I'll, I'll say listed. Listed, and yeah. that tire is probably five and a half feet tall when yep. it's standing. Yep. So here's a guy 
who mechanically this is going to be the worst exercise for him. Yeah. But he's expected to do what everyone else is doing. And again, it's not about you know whether or not he can flip that tire. It's whether or not he tries to flip that tire. Okay. And he hit it like a bulldog every time. Yeah. It, to where he was flipping it quite well. So you know the the strongman stuff is just it's a great way to keep a little competition in the preseason and the off season. Get that conditioning in and actually. That kind of stuff will bridge the gap between the weight room and the basketball court because it's all such total body and it it has so many different factors in it. You know, conditioning, uh, balance. Yeah. You know, when we try to do the yoke walks with the big yeah. yoke on your back and just the mental side of it. So it actually correlates to the to the floor a little better than the weight room. But there's also another element to all this that you're you're a part of, and it's it's looking across right here i mean they come in for breakfast every day they're every day. the nutrition side of it some supplements some vitamins all that kind of stuff um these are college kids man they're supposed to be loading up on junk food aren't they no 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 it, <laughs> not if they want a career <laughs> yeah that's true you know um but I mean, breaking them of that i imagine is pretty hard though it's, it's pretty hard it, and honestly a lot of these guys do better with routine so okay. part of it is a routine like we're gonna have breakfast at this time uh, and every day we, we split into our two groups and half go to the court and half lift, and then we switch. Like, this is how we work. There, other dudes ain't doing this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're maybe get up and go to breakfast. They may get a workout in the morning. Yeah. You know, whatever. But here, again, Coach Weir was, was so supportive of the holistic. And when I got here, I said, like, Coach, you know, here, here's what I need supplement-wise. Um, after I figured out what they had been doing food-wise, I said, look, we... If we don't do anything else, we have to get these guys breakfast every day. Okay. In some form. Either we get meal plans and we have breakfast check at the cafeteria, or we have it in here mm. every day. And it just worked out, you know, because the cafeteria is a bit of ways just to have it in here so yeah. that we could go into our workouts or morning shooting or whatever kind of that we wanted to do from there. And it kind of gets the day started, too. You know, It gets the days up. Right. It gets them up. And, it, you know, it's it, sort of our approach is this business. Yeah. Like... Everything you do, uh, you need to have a business mindset. And anything you eat nutritionally, you're either hurting yourself or helping yourself. So there's a purpose for all of it. There's a purpose for everything, absolutely. How much buy-in on the food and the nutrition side of it? Um, how much of a struggle is that with some of the guys? You know, it wasn't. Uh, some of the guys really liked it. You know, uh, I'll give you an example. When Connor sprained his ankle, we looked at his vitamin D, and it was abysmal, which is typical. I've seen a lot, a lot of athlete profiles, particularly basketball players, it's an inside sport. No one goes out anymore. Yeah. They're either at a video game in class, sitting at their phone. Uh, and vitamin D is so important for joint health and immune system health. Uh, so we mega dosed him and got him back up. And um, but all the guys take vitamin D every day. Okay, is one of the supplements we give. So you know, it, it's one of those things where again, everything has a purpose. Any point, I guess, and then I'm going to get into the season here and, and we'll wrap it up, but at any point, um, was there a player or two that pushed back that you thought maybe this isn't going to work with, with this player, whether you want to name them or not? Um, was there any player that you thought just probably wasn't going to quite get it? Or maybe you're still going through that with some of them. No, maybe. you know what? I actually don't have any pushback anymore. It's it's one of those things where um, it's just a habit. Yeah, Guys have a habit of... of sleep until 10.30 or whatever uh, from prior schools or whatever they have done in the past. 
you just have to build on those new habits. So it was it was a process. Yeah. yeah, there were definitely steps we had to take. It wasn't all in one night. Everyone was in for breakfast, and everyone was taking their supplements. But it got to the point where, you know, I had guys asking for extra stuff, uh, asking for extra shakes. Yeah. So it's it's definitely progressed where we don't have any problems. All right, so now let's fast forward to the season. You guys are playing games. Um, the talk from Coach Weir from the start was we're a second-half team. We're going to wear teams out you know, down the stretch of games. We're the ones that are going to be ready to go. And it wasn't always the case in some of those early season games. Um, maybe they weren't tired, but they certainly weren't performing in the final five right. to six, seven minutes of games. Um, was there a point in game um, that you kind of saw it come together and kind of kind of all start to click or was it maybe not in the game that you saw it start to click you know you would see it in practice and it not always would it show up in games but again what what people have to remember is for coach weir and for myself all these guys are freshmen yeah they might be here four years but they're new to coach weir they're new to me and then you add in these guys these transfers or these jucos from various places you know it's just it's going to take a little more time to click yeah uh and that was couple conversations coach weird i had is you know everyone's a freshman at this point yeah and it's going to take a little time what do we want to maximize building on because you only need to focus on a few things at a time or you you know you do too much at once you're not gonna no information is gonna stick well when you watch them playing now in the last few games it's because they've come on strong late um and and closed games strong Mm -hmm. um was that sort of what you envisioned all along are you if if the end goal is 100 and the starting point was zero. Where, where are you at right now, and you what know, do you want I, out of them? I, we're honestly a little further along than I thought. Okay. Just from my personal experience working when a new head coach comes in on a team. You know, I was a Clemson and coach. Brownell came in to replace Purnell and Mike White and replacing Coach Donovan at uh, UF. You know, you I would think that we would actually be a little less behind than what yeah. we are. But part of it is the guys are just getting more confident in each other. Uh practices have been really good yeah um and we have started to foster a little more competition in practice okay um i know you, you've probably seen yeah. us play the scrimmages the 20 minute scrimmages and I, I you know again i was coach weird just talking to him one day i said hey we we used to do six minute games all the time and if we finish with that or start with that or do something he said well, let's play 20 minutes and so these know. scrimmages you can see it then in in here a little bit. I mean, when they're starting to be just more competitive, I guess, right. on practice, it, it spills over everywhere. It spills over everywhere. They get a little more competitive in here. Uh, you know, for example, there are days we're in here, and I say, guys, we're going to do X amount of sets and X amount of reps, uh, but we're not going to go above 80%, so it's going to be light. Well, that will quickly turn into, I want 10 pounds more than him. Yeah. What does Joe have on the bar? I can do more, you know. Yeah. So it, it, it bleeds over, and that's you want that. You want that competition you know, kind of going anywhere. But the guys stick together really strong, so. All right, a couple of players specifically then. Um, Anthony Mathis last week told me that the guys used to tell him he looked like a college golfer, um, that he was out of shape. And the college golfer was his term, not mine. Um, he said he had a little bit of a beer belly when he got here, and or when you guys got here. And, yeah, uh, he was he was, a, he was chunky. Yeah, uh, that, that surprised me because um, he, he looked like a small guard to me. Yeah, but, his body fat was very high. Yeah. Um, and you know he he would tire pretty quickly. Oh, as a golfer, I don't know if you take offense to his college golfer comment. No, no. Not, but. I had some golfers that would in the golf team, the women's golf team here at UNM will work. They work their pants off. <laughs> Those girls work hard. Yeah. Um, they can run a pit just as fast as the guys. Yeah. Uh, 
but for him, again, his training age was so low. He was one of those guys where I was like, gosh, we're, we're really going to have to back way up here. And I told him, I said, hey, man, the first thing is I know you want a little more size, but that's not going to happen until we get this body fat off. Yeah. Your body right now is metabolically in a position where it's just storing fat. We need to switch it the other way first. Um, so I'm really excited to have an off season with him in the yeah. summer. Uh, he's gotten a ton stronger, and obviously he's lost a gut. And you know, I think it shows up in the games because he's he's been playing hard. Late too. Late he's, too. He's he, late in games. He, he gets after it. Uh, again, that's you know part of that's just the confidence and the belief in what we're doing. But you know, he definitely earned it. All right, Joe Joe Firstinger seems to be the guy that a lot of people probably assume in the weight rooms. Uh, um, been making some strides. Has he been? Huge strides. Huge strides. He he was one of the guys that when I first got here, he you know he wanted to be beat up. Yeah. He never really had it. Yeah. He never really lifted. And um, you know, I just wish I'd had more time with the guy. To yeah. be honest, so Paul says a lot too, obviously. But I just really wish I had more time with him because it, as far as work ethic, there's not a lot of people going to top Joe Firstinger. Yeah, the the kid is always wanting to lift weights, always wanting to do a little extra, always can I get an extra shake. You know, uh, ask him when I first got here to keep a food log. Yeah. And, you know, I said, Joe, you can just text me what you eat or just say, just estimate. I ate a handful of this. He Every meal, I had pictures, descriptions, everything he ate and drank, you know. Uh, so I told him this off season that, you know, he and I were going to get after it pretty good in here and send him off right. Good. Okay. Um, some of the other guys, I know there's a walk on Mike Mondragon. I mean, he had made a comment earlier this week to uh, I was talking to Will Weber with the Santa Fe newspaper, and um, what he told him was these guys can push me around out here on the court, but not in the weight room. I mean, Mike's the kind of guy in the weight room where, like, I guess that's where he can hold his own a little bit. A but little it's bit. probably a little bit different though. Too, he's, hey, he's a big guy. He's I mean. a bigger guy. You know, he's built like a football kid. Yeah. Um, you know, the, he was a walk-on tryout for a reason. He wasn't the typical basketball right, right. guy. I mean, he's in the top five in the weight room. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Okay. So you guys got? I mean, you got some workout guys though. You guys okay. got some guys that like to, that, that can hold their own, I guess, um, in the Was weight room the, with a lot of other programs. Oh, for no doubt about it. Um, yeah. As far as absolute strength, these guys are, these guys are getting after it. I'm yeah. telling you. All right, so March is sort of the the end goal um, that Paul's been talking about that he wants everybody kind of peaking in March, mm-hmm. um, and, and at the end of games and stuff like that. March does bring present itself a, a scenario where you might have to play th- two or three games or three or four games, I suppose, um, depending on your seed, in a row, in mm-hmm. three or four days. So is this a program, is this a team that, that can play this style for three consecutive days and three consecutive games? Yes. And, you know, I know this just the way we practice um, and how we have our thing, everything set up, we've kind of been slowly preparing for that uh. in the event that we need to do that. Uh, I'm not concerned about that at all. Okay. I have full confidence in them. Um, to do that, though, I mean, the, there's some method to, to Paul's madness. I know he's kind of had these ideas, and it's starting to, you can, people are, that's why I think people are excited right now is they're starting to see it come together in the court. And I know you've been kind of alluding to, you've been seeing it come together right. for a while. Um, I'll, I'll wrap up with this. Paul Weir's, when I talk about the method to Paul's madness, um, he has a strength coach that he trusts, obviously, in you. But would it work if you weren't maybe a little bit mad like him? I mean, you guys have to kind I mean, of. I mean, we are a little nuts. Yeah. We, we, you know, I told him, I said, hey, I want the guys lifting before the games, you yeah. know, the day before games, which is like a big no no. 
in the basketball world. And why do you then? Why do you want it? To keep them healthy, man. And if yeah. you plan it correctly, you can keep these guys getting stronger throughout the season. Okay. You know, typically guys either lose a lot of strength or lose a lot of weight in season. And that's two things that I don't want to happen. And if you plan it correctly, you can actually build a little strength as you go on as long as you're managing your volume and intensity correctly. And I said, Coach, I said, you know, it's going to keep them healthy. It's going to keep them mentally strong. Like, we're a team about work. Yeah. We're going to work. And I think that, uh, you know, he said, let's do it. You enjoying your time here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hands down. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, you, you see these guys every day, so everybody – the spirits as the winds come i mean is other spirits up or were they, were they never down they were never really down okay. you know even when we had that stretch of just yeah. l after l uh and again that's that's part of the mindset we're we're developing is guys we're going to give up threes we're going to lose games but as we progress in the weight room as we progress on the court in this system under coach weir things are going to get a lot better it's just going to take time you know you can't overreact in the short term which is what a lot happens Awesome. All right, man. Tyler, that's what I needed. I appreciate it. Um, yes, sir. Good luck the rest of this season, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll chat again. And, and again, this is, uh, this is Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and I've been talking with Tyler Stewart, the strength coach uh, for the Lobo men's basketball team. Tyler, I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate your time. And there you go. There you have it. I uh, hope you enjoyed hearing from one of the people behind the scenes a little bit for Lobo basketball. Certainly one that's putting you know his impression and, and his thumbprint on the program right now and what the team's become of late. But I appreciate Tyler Stewart for taking the time to uh, sit down with me and, and kind of give us his uh, his philosophy and a little bit of background on on him and what he's doing with the Lobo basketball team. And again, this interview it does coincide. Um, this podcast with Tyler coincides with the feature we're running. In the Wednesday, January 31st edition of the Albuquerque Journal. So I hope you read that. That's what what pays the bills still. So hopefully you guys read some of the articles that uh, we put out pretty much every day in the journal on Lobo Basketball. And uh, this has been another edition of the Talking Grammar Podcast with Jeff Grammar of the Albuquerque Journal. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Grammar. That's G-E-O-F-F. And Grammar is G-R-A-M-M-E-R. Or you can pretty much... Um, every day, read us in the journal. Read something about Lobo basketball in the journal during the season every day. So uh, hopefully you can do that in print or online at abqjournal.com. And uh, hopefully you're you're following along as the season starts to hit the home stretch now. Nine Mountain West games left and uh, then the Mountain West tournament. So feel free to reach out to me on social media anytime. I'm on Twitter quite a bit, or you can email me with any thoughts on this podcast, our Lobo Hoops coverage, or just whatever else you want to talk about. Uh, my email address is ggrammer, that's G-G-R-A-M-M-E-R, at abqjournal.com. So until next time, folks, thanks for your time.